back to another episode of Off the Dome. I hope you guys had a great week last week. I had a better week this week, thank God, because last week was the absolute freaking struggle. There was just way too much going on last week and it was tragic, but here we are. I'm in better spirits this week. Um, It was a short work week because, of course, President's Day is on Monday. I'm recording this for you guys Sunday night, another late night episode. And it's kind of a late night episode because I was going back and forth on if I even wanted to talk about this on the podcast because this is scary, y'all. Like, I know I told you guys that I was an open and honest person, and I definitely am, but only a few people know this story because it's just something that... I've never felt comfortable sharing with the public unless, you know, you're really close to me. Like I said, I think I can count on my hands how many people know this story. It's probably less than five. It's probably five. I have no idea, but it's definitely not a lot of people. And of course, I picked and choose who I told based on, you know, not wanting to feel judged. So if I felt like that person was going to judge me, well, then, you know, you're probably one of those people who does not know this story. I was thinking about it this past week and I was just like, I think the beauty of this podcast is that I can kind of start conversations that need to be had. I think the biggest problem, I mean, I know we're working on it in terms of, you know, where we are today in just the conversations that go on in the world, but I feel like we still have a long ways to go about being transparent and just sharing our feelings and just having those open and raw conversations. Um, I hope this conversation maybe helps someone else start a conversation with those that they need to have the conversation with. I don't know how relatable it's gonna be, but I don't know. I just, on my heart, I feel like it's a story that I need to share because it was a very confusing time when I was going through it. And I really don't know. I really don't know what I thought was going to happen as a result of, you know, me being in this situation. So, yeah, I definitely wanted to, you know, be as transparent as possible. This is just one of those things where I don't feel that I would be authentic if I didn't share it. And I do hope that the information that I do share is maybe helpful to someone else. But before I get into that, I'm curious to know, this is completely unrelated to that because we'll definitely get to that story. But have you guys been watching Love is Blind? Because I'm obsessed. Like I didn't think I would be super into the new people that were going to be on season two because I'm just so invested in the people from season one but I'm here for it like I'm here for it it's giving I really love the the show I love the concept of the show like getting to know someone without ever seeing them I I love the concept of it I mean I don't know if it's super realistic to really you know get down on one knee within a short amount of time I think on season two one of the girls was explaining that they have 10 dates which I don't think that that's public knowledge maybe if you research it you could probably find out but I didn't know how many dates that they had because you know the show is kind of all edited so quickly that you don't know how many dates that they actually go on before 
you know, whoever proposes to the person in the pods. So apparently they go on 10 dates and they narrow down their people and they have all these conversations. And then um, so far from what I've seen, it's been the guy proposing to the girl. And so, yeah, season two has been really interesting. You know, I do have like my favorites on there. I don't have too many favorites, actually, I would say. I have like one couple that I'm like really rooting for and then one couple that I feel like is gonna work in the long term. The others I'm kind of like, eh, it's really iffy. The couple that I'm rooting for is Nick and Danielle. Like for some some reason, like they draw me to them. Like I'm very drawn to their relationship, I guess because it's really relatable for me because without spoiling like too many details, um, because I know it's fairly new and maybe y'all haven't finished watching it if you are into that type of stuff, but it's relatable because I guess Danielle is very, she's a very anxious person. So she's always in her head. She's always overthinking. She, she mentions that she used to be very overweight. So she's super self-conscious about her body. She's super self-conscious of getting that heavy again. And, you know, if her partner, you know, would love her if she ever gained weight that she lost. Like, it's a very, very relatable story that she has. And then, like I said, she's very anxious. I would consider myself to be a very anxious person. I have a lot of anxiety. And she kind of almost self-sabotages her relationship with Nick. Even her mom makes that clear, like, later in the season. So, yeah, they just have a very relatable relationship so I guess like I'm really rooting for them because I feel like if Danielle can kind of let go of some of her insecurities or at least kind of like meet him halfway which she really is trying um I feel like they have a potential to work I really do so they are my favorite right now I wish that I could say that Ayana and Jared are my favorite favorites because they're like the only black couple on the show but yeah I don't think it's gonna work between them and we can go into it maybe in a few more episodes once the season has wrapped that'll give you all a chance to go watch it so that way we can maybe have a little discussion on here about the ending um but yeah if y'all haven't watched even the the first season I would highly recommend that show um I love social experiment type shows I feel like it's very interesting so yeah highly recommend Love is Blind it is on Netflix so um season one and two are available of course like with season two and maybe season one was like this as well but they released the episodes in batches so at this point episodes one through nine on season two are available and then episode 10 is gonna air on the 25th which I believe is this coming Friday so and it's the finale yeah y'all get caught up on that if y'all are love is blind fans so we can have a genuine discussion because I have thoughts that I want to get off my chest so let's see so yeah I've been watching love is blind I tried to get into the tinder swindler um it's definitely interesting but I kind of started falling asleep on it because it was kind of like getting to the point where it's like okay I understand what's happening and you know it was kind of just getting like eh, I mean this is very predictable after you start getting the details about the guy so I definitely want to finish watching it it's definitely very interesting and I have my fair share of tinder chronicles that I'll share with y'all definitely nothing to that caliber for sure so yeah I was never in a situation like those two women on the show were but I definitely have my my own 
fair share of Tinder trauma. <laughs> I freaking hate that app. I freaking hate that app. I've had nothing but bad experiences on the app and not necessarily bad experiences like all the way around, but like the ending of it is always bad in my opinion. I mean, I guess in hindsight, it's like, I'm glad I didn't end up with any of the dudes that I actually went on dates with, but it's like, in that moment, it's like, wow, this is actually trash and you wasted my time. It's my biggest thing about dating apps is I feel like my time is always getting wasted. And some people feel like if you're going to go on a dating app, you have to go in there with an open mind, knowing that you might have to kiss a few frogs before you find your prince. And I feel like my mindset, especially when I told you guys about my ex, I feel like my mindset is just like, I don't have time to waste. Like I'm almost 30. I'm thinking about my biological clock and wanting to have a family or, you know, if that's a possibility and I'm getting up there, I don't have prospects. So whenever I go into like dating, I always kind of have in the back of my mind, like I'm trying to look for husband material. I'm not trying to look for a one night stand. Like I'm not into that type of thing. And you know, power, more power to you. If that's what you like, girl, I get it, but that's just not who I am. So, and from what people are telling me, they're like, that's my problem is I go into these situations thinking that the guy's going to be the end all be all. So then when it doesn't work out, I'm devastated. So that's my toxic trait. <laughs> so yeah, don't be like me y'all. If y'all are single, don't be like me. Don't be like me. You know, I've heard people say you need to go in there with the idea that you're just gonna have a good time. Now, I don't mean like just have a good time by sleeping with everybody. And if that's what you like, sis, like I said, no judgment. That's just not what I want to do. And I don't think that that's the advice that other people are giving me. They're basically just saying like, you know, if you get asked out on a couple of dates, go on the date, have a good time. Don't have like such high expectations for the date, but definitely keep, you know, your standards and your values. And if the first date doesn't go well and you don't see like anything happening with that dude, well then, you know, cut your losses. It doesn't have to be like such a big deal, you know, but I don't know. I feel like, especially if I've gone on multiple dates with the same person, I start getting invested. And I'm thinking like, if this person is really like, just pulling my arm, like, don't waste my time, dude. Like, just don't do that. That's just kind of my biggest thing. And that's the reason why I don't think that if I ever do get married, that I'm going to meet my husband on a dating app. I truly do not believe that. I think my husband is going to be in Target, in the wine aisle, or at the gym. That's really, truly what I think, because I probably go to both of those places at least several times a week. So that's what I think as far as like, meeting my husband and whatnot but yeah so those are the shows that i kind of have been watching this week let's see what else happened this week that i can share with y'all nothing spectacular other than i did get my mojo back i was in the gym i went to the gym four times this week y'all so that was a win-win for me because the week previously i didn't go not one time and obviously that's not going to get me anywhere near my goals but the one thing that i'm working on as far as the gym goes is going to the gym because it's good for me. It's good for my body. Movement is good for my body. I'm trying to focus less on going to the gym because of what I can eventually look like again versus going to the gym for health and wellness. And it's a really sip slippery slope, y'all. Like, I think because in 2019, I was literally in the best shape of my life 
after having gone to the gym like three years strong, I got into the best shape of my life. But I'm gonna be honest with y'all, I practically killed myself to get there. Like, I mean, I lived in the gym day and night, eat, breathe, sleep, gym. And, you know, I felt like that discipline definitely got me to where I ended up getting. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know what I mean. Like I was literally heavy in the gym. My Instagram was all about fitness content. I don't know who I thought I was, honestly. Like, I don't know who the heck I thought I was, but it was just getting to the point where there was no balance. As much as I tried to have that balance with the gym, personal life and eating out and, you know, just not having to stick to like some consistent plan like it just got so complicated and then of course the pandemic hit and then I gained 50 pounds and now I've been going to the gym as consistent as possible with a few hiccups here and there for about six months. So I'm pretty proud of myself. I don't know how much I weigh because I don't own a scale, but you know, um, it, like I said, it's hard. I just think that showing up as many days as you can tolerate it, whatever you can do to make going to the gym Whatever you can do to be as consistent as possible. I feel like if you try to go do something balls to the wall, like more than likely you're going to fail at it. So you need to be gradual in your approach to anything, but specifically the gym, because I think that, of course, like on January 1st, we see the gyms are packed and crowded because everybody is like trying to lose weight for the new year. And there is nothing wrong with that. I've been on that train many times. But the problem with it is people go to the extreme so quickly and then it's week three of January and, you know, those people are no longer going to the gym because they tried to kill themselves to do X, Y, and Z instead of gradually working themselves up to going to the gym five times a week. If you've never been to the gym a day in your life, I would say maybe once a week, once or twice a week, and then work your way up. You can't just go balls to the wall. It just doesn't work that way. So yeah, I'm just trying to unlearn some some poor habits that I had in the past with eating and going to the gym and feeling like the gym is my life because at the end of the day, it's like, okay. And I think this is an important point that I wanna make before I go into this um, topic with y'all, this conversation that I mentioned is I used to think, and it com- it goes for a lot of things, not just gym related, but specifically the gym because over the last several years, I got really big into fitness and weightlifting and stuff. But I used to always think like, okay, when I get down to this weight or when I look like this, then I'll be happy. Or when I get this job, I'll be happy. When I get this dude, I'm gonna be happy. If I get a new car, I'm gonna be happy. If I get this new outfit, I'm gonna be happy. Like when all these things start happening and aligning for me, then I will be happy. And the gag is none of those things actually brought me any happiness. Don't get me wrong, I love the gym, I love weightlifting. In some ways, I do think that going to the gym saved my life in a way because it was like a healthier outlet than some of the other choices that I could have made. So in a sense, I felt like it was life-saving, but like I said, in order to get into the best shape of my life in 2019, I had to sacrifice a lot. I had to sacrifice a lot and it was just a lot of like go, 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 go. So obviously if I'm sacrificing all this stuff, I'm you know, sticking very rigid to like a diet plan and going to the gym five days a week. Well, yeah, I'm going to get to a good place with my body. But, you know, some of the approaches that I took just weren't realistic in the long term. So I'm just thinking about my overall 
longevity, health and wellness, moving because it's good for you, not trying to do it for any aesthetic goals. But then unfortunately, I do have aesthetic goals that I want to meet. So I think it's just about having a happy balance of both. But it's definitely hard if when you, you know, started your fitness journey, you did it solely for aesthetics, you reached those goals, and then you kind of fell off. So then it's like, I know I can get back to that place. I just need to go about it in a different way, which means that sometimes your results come a lot slower if you want to do it in a way that's more sustainable over time. But yeah, y'all, that was just my little two cents on, you know, trying to have a balance in life. It's, it's a balancing act with anything, but that's just kind of what I've been going through as far as health and wellness and you know, trying to be more physically fit, but also not trying to look like an Instagram model because that's just not what I aspire to be in life. But anywho, let's get into this story, y'all. So I'm going to preface this by saying in no way, shape or form, I would never, 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 never disrespect the LGBTQIA community. I would never do that. I have no problem with people who you know choose to love who they love i do believe that love is love even though i was raised a christian and i believe in god i believe love is love and i don't judge anybody on who they choose to be with that's your business and i wish everybody well in their decisions as far as who they choose to be with who they choose to love and you know that type of thing I definitely want to preface it with that because it was hard for me to even decide if I was going to record this for y'all because I don't want people to be offended by what I say. And to a degree, I know that I can't make everybody happy. So some people may still get offended by what I say. Some people may be very shocked by what I say, but I feel like it's a conversation that needs to be had because I think maybe had people came come to me more openly about these types of topics well maybe I would have felt like I could have navigated the situation a little bit better or maybe I could have figured it out like you know I I figured it out on my own but that's the thing maybe I didn't want to figure it out on my own maybe I actually wanted to talk to somebody about it but I just didn't feel like I had uh, the space to do so without the feeling of being judged or mocked or ridiculed or anything like that and I just think that I just think that we just need to have healthy discourse. That's all I think, y'all. So that's kind of why I want to tell the story. It was on my heart to tell y'all. So I'm going to go ahead and share it with y'all. As I mentioned in previous episodes, you know, I was raised in a Christian household when I was growing up, when I was really, really young. We used to go to church every Sunday. I told y'all I was saved, I think, at the age of seven or eight, I gave my life to God in front of a congregation with my mom and my stepdad. I knew what it meant, but I didn't know to the degree or caliber what I was really doing. Like I didn't know what that meant. When I was seven or eight years old, I really didn't know what that entailed, giving my life to God and what that really meant. So so you guys know, like I was really big into church. I believe in God. I don't think that my relationship with God is as good as it could be, just being honest with y'all, because, you know, I I just, I don't know. I just feel like there's just so many things that I've done in my life and things that maybe I even continue to do that 
don't really put me in the category of being a Christian anymore. I mean, I still have like Christian values to a degree. I do believe in God. I don't think that's something that'll ever change. But I just think that some of the things that I've done in the last couple of years and the decisions that I've made and some of the ideals that I'm trying to like create for myself don't necessarily align with that spiritual belief anymore. So, and that's kind of hard for me to say out loud because I know my relationship with God isn't like the greatest, but I wish it was better. And it's kind of hard for me to get there because I kind of just don't know where to start. You know, like I know the power of prayer. I was always taught to pray and I I know that that's powerful and that prayer does help things. And essentially, I kind of started getting away from the idea of organized religion and just thinking about actually building a relationship with God on my own terms and what that would mean for me and him. But it's really hard to actually do that because I spent a lot of my upbringing in church. So then I know a lot of things from what was preached to me or, you know, what was taught by my elders in the church or the sermons and, you know, trying to match that up with the Bible and trying to figure it out on my own. And it's really difficult, you know, long story short with that I I do still consider myself to be a person who believes in God but a lot of the things that I kind of believe other Christians would not believe other Christians would not agree with that's why I would say that I don't really categorize myself anymore as a Christian I would just say that I'm a believer and I believe in God and I try to be a good person and at the end of the day it's like I always remember Like growing up, always hearing that like the pastor was going to get into heaven by the skin of his teeth. So I'm thinking like, dang, if the pastor is going to get into heaven by the skin of his teeth, where the heck am I going? Because I mean, I don't even know y'all. Like, I don't know. These are just thoughts that have kind of gone on in my head as the years have passed by. But sometimes doing the right thing doesn't even doesn't even get you anywhere sometimes. But nonetheless, um, I just wanted to preface this segment of the podcast by letting you guys know kind of like my upbringing which because I was raised in a Christian household you know I was always at least introduced to the fact that homosexuality was something that was frowned upon and not something that as a Christian you should be a participant in or someone who is accepting of that behavior and So, I mean, I remember a lot of times when I was in like elementary school and even middle school thinking that homosexuality was wrong because that's what I was kind of raised under the the ideologies of Christianity and what was taught to me in the churches that I went to. So, you know, I I would always like kind of say that to my friends And you get to talk to your friends and you don't have to be politically correct with them. And I think that's the reason why I hold my close friendships so close to me because, you know, one of my best friends always tells me like, you don't have to be politically correct with me. You know, you can come to me as you are. Kind of like how they say you can come to God, like come to God as you are. Um, 
come when you're broken at your worst state and he's gonna take you as you are and I kind of feel like friendships my friendships at least the ones that I currently have are kind of like that like I can come to them when I'm broken I can come to them with my dirty laundry essentially or maybe some thoughts that may not be the greatest to say out loud to the public because then the public is going to try to cancel you and that's kind of like the reason why I didn't really want to have this conversation because I know we live in an age where cancel culture is a big thing and you say one wrong thing and you're canceled for life and I don't really subscribe to the beliefs of cancel culture although though there's one person in this life that I will say is canceled forever in my book and that's R. Kelly and we could talk about that another day. I'm not gonna argue with you about R. Kelly, but um, I do feel like there is a time and place for people to also redeem themselves. So I don't believe in cancel culture. That might be an unpopular opinion, but I just don't believe in it. I think people make mistakes and I think everybody is able to make mistakes. And I feel like when you have good people around you like friends and family and just like your accountability partners I guess then you know we don't have to be so abrasive in the way that we reprimand people for their beliefs or what they think or for ignorance sometimes we just don't know what we're talking about you know what I mean sometimes we just don't know so that's not a bad thing like we don't know everything so I think it's very important to have that your group of people who kind of bring you back to earth or you know that you can talk your feelings out with without feeling like you're going to get crucified for what you're saying and I thank God every day for the friends that I have who have stuck by me through the worst times ever who have stuck by me through things that I don't even think my family would stick by me for that things that I can't things that my family doesn't even know including what I'm about to tell y'all today. And I know I'm beating around the bush y'all, but I'm just trying to warm y'all up so y'all can kind of get to where my mindset was prior to coming to this realization at this time of my life. So let's get into it. So I was in high school and I told you guys in like the first episode that, you know, my childhood, I had a great childhood. Don't get me wrong, I had a great childhood. The military lifestyle brought a lot of things that I don't think as a single mom of two kids my mom could have done on her own without being in the military the military is I mean it gives you a lot the military gives you a lot and you just have your benefits and you get to travel and you kind of have like a sense of security with your finances as long as you're you know being responsible it gives you the um, skills like adaptability and it just it makes you a well-rounded person I personally think now personally for me I knew that joining the military was not something that I could do because I always wanted to kind of find my own path and not just join the military because all my family have been in the military and I know that that would be a good way to get a good life if that makes sense I always wanted to like create my own life in a way that was going to make me happy so yeah I was never someone who wanted to join the military but you know I know that from my childhood and just where I am now that the military lifestyle and being a military brat definitely shaped me into who I am so yeah you know I grew up in a household with really my mom and my brother and me and my mom and my brother 
have had a lot of open conversations as the years have gone on. I feel like we were pretty open with discussions, but it wasn't always like that. There weren't always things that I felt like I could go to my mom or any family members and just divulge like my thoughts and feelings on certain topics, um, especially if I knew that maybe they had some reservations with the topic. And so because me and my mom kind of had like a kind of like a very on and off relationship where it was rocky but then when it wasn't rocky it was really good so it was like when it was good it was good when it was bad it was bad and I feel that because we did have some hard times that it did allow me to kind of lean on other women in my life to get the things that I wanted from my mom that weren't necessarily being given that's hard for me to say out loud because I don't want people to think that you know my mom was a bad mom and that she didn't give me the world because she really did and we do have a a really great understanding now that I'm older and I live by myself and I'm an adult of just the the challenges that she must have gone through being a single mom of two with no help and having to raise both a black son and a black daughter while also trying to live her own life, like trying to like deal with her own issues, but let alone having to raise two black children in America without their fathers and limited help. So I know that was hard for her and we've had many of open conversations about it as I've gotten older because now that I'm older, I can put myself in her shoes. I feel like even though I think I do have the gift of empathizing with people, but it can be really hard to do that when you're younger and you're just in the thick of it and you can't really see that other person's point of view as well because you have yet to become an adult and pay bills and have to work a full-time job that you don't like and, you know, has still have to provide for a family. And I still don't know the magnitude of everything that she did and experienced because I'm not a mother. So I can only imagine, you know, based off of the information that I have now and just being an adult living on my own and providing for myself and all that jazz. So I said all that to say that, you know, because throughout childhood we did kind of have a little pull and tug on our relationship. I did find myself leaning towards a lot of my other relationships with other women, whether that be um, female friendships or um, some of my friends' moms, you know, talking to my friends' moms openly about things or, you know, even within, I don't know, probably when I was like from 18 to about 23, I did have a job where, I worked with a lot of older women and originally I didn't think that that was going to be like beneficial for me because I'm like, dang, like how am I going to work with, I'm like the youngest woman in this group. Like we're not going to be able to relate to each other. We're going to clash. I don't know why I thought that y'all, but I did think that when I was 18 and working with a variety of different women of all ages kind of gave me a lot more perspective on kind of the things that me and my mom went through and, you know, just being able to get more than one opinion, I guess, from different women of different backgrounds of that were usually much older than me. 
And I felt like I got comfort in that also because maybe as whereas there is a situation that I don't feel comfortable telling my mom, I can tell someone else because this is an unbiased party, essentially. You know, they don't know me except for what they see at work and what I tell them. I mean, obviously I'm a genuine person. I'm not, it's not like I was lying to them or anything. I was giving them the real me, but I'm. But what I mean is like, they weren't like a family member. They weren't a friend. They became friends, of course, but you know, I could bring situations to them and I could get a different perspective or I could come to them about certain things that, you know, maybe I didn't want to bother my mom with and actually get a different perspective than what my mom, you know, might have been able to give me. And so it just gave me a vast amount of knowledge and understanding about womanhood and being a mother. And I felt like I do think that it takes a village to raise a child. So I'm really happy for having, you know, all of, I would call them like my second moms. I have a lot of second moms that I will say who really just, you know, were there for me in tough moments and gave me a different perspective on being a woman and what my mom must have gone through and just, you know, being very open-minded and understanding and patient with me, but also putting me, putting me in my place when I needed it. So yeah, I relied on a lot of other female relationships in my life because the one relationship that I wanted to work and be so perfect and it just wasn't, was the one with my mom. I think now that I'm, you know, 26 and I live by myself, I think it's okay that our relationship isn't perfect because, you know, nothing's really ever going to be perfect. And I do feel like we've, me and my mom have come such a long way, y'all. Like we've just come such a long way. And I just have so much more gratitude and patience and understanding for my mom than I ever did when I was a kid. So I have a lot of love for my mom. Me and my mom have these conversations all the time. So I'm not saying this to bash her or anything like that. Um, I just think that uh, I always wanted a perfect relationship with her. And it, it it just isn't perfect. It's something that we constantly have to work at. And I think that's kind of just how it is with a lot of people. Sometimes things just come easy and sometimes you just got to work out, work at stuff. And that's kind of like where me and my mom are. We, we constantly have to work at stuff, but we do have extremely good moments. Um, especially when we actually actively work to be better as mother and daughter and for each other, because I think another thing, um, and I know I'm rambling y'all, but I felt like I needed to give my mom her flowers. I think it's also important to think as your parents as individuals and not just your parents because your parents are human beings and they have their own things that they go through. And so when you just think of your parents as your parents, you kind of like, I think there's just kind of like this holier than thou, like your parents can never make a mistake. Your parents know everything you know, your parents are the end all be all. And I feel like as I was a kid, I used to think that, but like, go, you know, as I'm older now, I realize like my mom is just like me. She's a human being trying to navigate this life. She's trying to do the best she can with the tools and resources that she has. And she's not God and she's not perfect. And she's going to make mistakes just like I am. So being able to give more grace where it needs to be given, especially 
if someone is willing to work on that relationship with you, I think that's huge and that says a lot. So I just want to give that little tidbit, give my mom her flowers there. But yeah, so like I said, growing up, I, I did rely on a lot of my female relationships and leaned so heavily towards them for advice and guidance and patience and understanding and all that good stuff. And when I was in high school, I'm, I had a friend and we are still friends to this day. And when I moved to Florida, for some reason, and I don't know really how to explain it, I still don't know to this day, like those feelings that I had, but you know, we were trying to pick a house in Florida when my mom got stationed there. And I was a junior in high school. Like I was on the second semester of junior year. I started junior year in Texas. And then my mom got orders to, to Tampa. So then we moved to Florida. And I don't know what it was, y'all, but we were trying to find a house. And I was just getting bad vibes from the houses that we were seeing. And of course, like my mom wanted both me and my brother's input on the house. Like she didn't just, you know, get the house and not care about what we thought about it. Like we did the walkthroughs together. We talked about what we did and did not like about the house. And there's this one house, y'all. I tell my mom to this day that it was a gun smoke house. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that show Gunsmoke. Hell, I've never even actually really watched any episodes but it just reminds me of like this old timey house in the wild, wild west with all these ugly brown cabinets and I freaking hated it. And I told my mom, we cannot get this house because I'm getting bad juju from this house. We cannot get this house. And my mom, she didn't get the house. She listened to what I said and I don't think she liked it either. But it was one of her top contenders that she was thinking about. But she decided not to get the house and um, we got another house, you know, <sighs> For whatever reason, the irony is the house that we ended up living in, in Florida, I hated that house. Like I grew to be okay with living there, but I hated it because it was so weird. Like in that particular neighborhood, I guess unless you built your own fence or your house just came with a fence or something, like our house did not have a fence. And although this was a cool feature, this is something that terrified me because you guys know I have anxiety and I, I'm scared of a lot of different things. But my room in, in particular had a had its own bathroom, which I thought was really cool. I never had my room had a room with its own bathroom. I would always have to share a bathroom with my brother. So my room had its own bathroom and the bathroom had another door leading out to the yard, but it wasn't fenced in. So that was something that truly terrified me for like several months. When we first moved in this house, I was always scared, guys. I never wanted to go to sleep at night. I always felt like I could hear noises. Um, I couldn't go to sleep at night unless my bathroom door was closed. So the door to my bathroom was closed and I think I had to sleep with my door in my room open. I was not one of those kids who slept with their door closed until like very later in life because I was scary. I needed my door to be open. So yeah, I was terrified of living in that house. I don't know what it was. I don't really even think that I talked to my mom so much about it, but yeah, I was really scared to live there. I couldn't wait until it was daylight outside. As soon as it got dark, I was just terrified and I didn't want to sleep in my room by myself. Mind you guys, I was like, what, 16, 17 at this time? And I was afraid to sleep in my own room because we didn't have a fence in our neighborhood to our house. And I just felt like anyone could just break in and it would be easy access. And it was just this whole 
situation that I was having in my head that I don't even think I really told anybody. And so, yeah, I was struggling. And then, of course, I had some other old friends from elementary school that I kind of like stopped keeping up with because I was dealing with a lot, you know, moving midway through junior year trying to start at a new school, trying to make sure, you know, my credits are right for graduation. You know, when you move and go to different high schools, your credits sometimes get jacked up. That happened to me on two different occasions because I went to a total of three different high schools. So I always had issues with my credits and having to make sure that that was all squared away. So I was just under a huge amount of pressure and stress and I was afraid to go go home at the end of the night and go to sleep. But I remember that, you know, I met one of my best friends at the school that I went to in Florida and she was really sweet. And I want to even say that she sought me out like we we both were like new to the school and we were like enrolling for our first day. So I remember seeing her like by the, the office, wherever you go, like the guidance counselor's office. And I remember seeing her, but I didn't speak then. And then we ended up having a class together and she sat behind me and you know, she asked if I wanted to go to lunch with her. And of course I'm new. So I'm like, hell yeah, like let's go to lunch sis, because I don't know anybody and I'm afraid I'm gonna have to sit in the bathroom like all mean girls. So we go to lunch together. And honestly, after that, it was history. Like we were genuinely meant to be friends. We are meant to be friends. That's like my other half. And we're just meant to be friends. I don't know. It's something I can't explain. I just feel like when you know you have a true friend for life, you just know you have a true friend for life. And you know, we had a great time going to that school together and just being friends and being teenagers, you know, doing the teenagers things. I mean, matter of fact, like when I turned 18, my first experience going to the club was with her. Yeah, we did almost everything together. And then she had a car and I didn't. So You know, she would pick me up and we would go hang out at the mall. Like we were just having a blast y'all. We was having a good time. And it was a great distraction from the fact that, like I told you guys, I didn't like to sleep at home at night. I was still afraid. It it took me several months to get comfortable living in that house. Um, It took me a long time. It, It wasn't like a month that I was good. It was several months that I was going through living in that house and being afraid. And really, I don't think anybody knew about it, to be honest. I don't think I ever mentioned it because I kind of was embarrassed to say that I was afraid to sleep in my own room. Like that doesn't make any sense to say as like a 17 year old. And she just made my experience like the transition moving from Texas to Florida, having not known anybody, just made my experience just 10 times better. Um, I always look forward to going to school, spending time with her, laughing at lunch, laughing in class, being ridiculous, being obnoxious, quoting stuff from the Bad Girls Club. Like we was just living our best freaking lives, honey. Um, I know also like for my 18th birthday, we went to the Cheesecake Factory and you know, she was just always so thoughtful and just there for me. And there's this one particular moment that I know that I think was probably like the catalyst for my feelings is I remember like me, my mom and my brother were like always arguing about who was going to clean the kitchen on what week and who's going to do it and why it didn't get done. And, 
you know, like just the normal back and forth that you go through with families of children of different ages. My brother is much younger than me. Well, at least it felt like that when we were, when I was in high school, we're only really like eight years apart. So I had to think about that, y'all. I had to do some math for a second. So yeah, we're only eight years apart, but in the you know, when I was in high school, that just seemed like a big age gap. Now it doesn't really matter. But you know, so it's always like, I'm having to tell my brother, like, come on, like, we need to get this kitchen stuff right. And then I was a teenager. So sometimes it would be like, I had to stay up late and do homework. So then I didn't get to clean the kitchen or then, or I wanted to watch my show. So then I didn't get to clean the kitchen. And then I tried to wake up in the middle of the night trying to clean the kitchen before my mom woke up so that she didn't find out that the kitchen wasn't clean and the dishes weren't done like y'all we always had issues about the kitchen and who was doing it and when and why anyways my mom had kind of been telling me and my brother that you know we need to get this kitchen situation figured out we need to get on some type of schedule and whoever was going to do it needed to do it no questions asked you do the kitchen before you do anything else that you're supposed to do. The kitchen needs to be clean before you go to bed at night. Well, I don't know y'all. I don't remember the nitty gritty details, but I do know that the kitchen had gone unclean and my mom was fed up and rightfully so, you know, she works hard for her money. She's supporting us, giving us pretty much everything that we wanted more. We couldn't get this kitchen situation right. And so my mom was like, my mom basically went on a strike y'all. She wanted a strike and she was like, you know what? I'm not buying groceries since y'all don't know how to get this kitchen situated. I'm not buying groceries. And I thought she was kidding y'all. I thought she was kidding. This lady did not buy groceries. It wasn't that long y'all. It was probably like, I don't know, maybe a week. It wasn't that long, but she didn't buy groceries. And it was kind of like basically a time for me and my brother to kind of sit down and be like, okay, how are we going to get this kitchen situation figured out? Because we ain't got no groceries. And like literally y'all, like we didn't have, it wasn't that we didn't have anything. It was just like, you know, your parents go on a weekly grocery shop for you and you have new food, you know, every week or whatever the case may be. Like the food was dwindling down, but we still had stuff. But it's like that, it's like that situation where it's like, you got food in the house, but you don't want to eat it, that type of thing. But so, but we didn't have nearly as much stuff as we used to because my mom was fed up with us and I... I get it. I get it, man. She was like, screw y'all. As a, as a teenager, I'm looking at this like, what do you mean you're not going to buy groceries? Like we need groceries. Like that's a, that's like a need. That's not a want. That's a need. And so in my teenage mind, I'm thinking like, this is the worst thing ever that you could do to a kid. And this is ridiculous. And you know, I kind of didn't really understand it as much that it would be to those extremes. And so, of course, I told my best friend about it and I was telling her, like, I don't think this is fair and this doesn't make any sense. Like, put me on punishment, but don't stop buying groceries because I don't have a car. I don't have that much money. How am I going to get groceries? So, you know, I'm trying to come up with a master plan as how I'm going to get, you know, food in the house and stuff like that, because I didn't know when my mom was going to let up. Like, I felt like she was just doing it to teach us a lesson, but I didn't know when the lesson was going to be over. And so my best friend essentially texted me one day after school and was like, hey, I got my mom's car. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to take you grocery shopping. She takes me grocery shopping, y'all. I didn't have much money because I know my mom was giving me money on my debit card at the time. I didn't have much money, but I made it do what it do. I got some ramen noodles. 
I don't even know what I got y'all, but I didn't get much, but I made sure that I got some stuff and my friend made sure that she picked me up in her mom's car, took me grocery shopping, helped me out and then brought me back home. And I just felt like that was such a selfless act because she didn't have to do that. Like she didn't have to take me to go get groceries, you know, like that's not her problem. And of course, like your friends are going to do what they, what they can do to help you out. But I just felt like that was a act of selflessness that I had never really experienced in a friend before. I just never experienced someone who was willing to take me grocery shopping. And we were like 17, you know, like I just didn't, I couldn't wrap my head around her wanting to do that to help me out. I guess like, because I felt like me and my mom were in a bad place and it was always like this back and forth thing. I felt like my friend was very attentive to my needs, very attentive to like the conversations that I was having, very patient, very kind, very understanding, willing and open to give advice. You know, she complimented me, complimented my beauty. Like I, I wasn't someone who grew up thinking that I was really beautiful. I always had insecurities about my my looks and my weight because I used to be bigger as a kid and I never felt beautiful I was never really told growing up that I was beautiful so I didn't internally feel beautiful unless someone told me and then I would have to think twice about it because I'm like I mean am I really beautiful but she always like gave me reassurance and make sure to compliment me and just be a true gym a true friend just a great human being, somebody that I don't know how I could ever repay, honestly. And I just remember one day, like after school, we were kind of texting probably about a situation that was going on at home. And, you know, she was there for me. She was giving me advice, letting me know, you know, I'm here if you want to talk and just being a true friend. And for some reason, I put my phone down, y'all. I can vividly remember this happening I put my phone down on my dresser and I looked away for a second and I had this like voice in my head that said like, I think I'm in love with my best friend. Like, I think I'm in love with her. Like, I think I love her. Like, not just like a friend. Like, I think I actually love her. And I didn't know what to do with that information. Like, I didn't know what I was supposed to do with that information because my friend you know, I'm, I wasn't gay. Like I, I didn't like women. Like I never said that I like women. I mean, when I was a freshman, you know, I did kiss a girl, but it wasn't nothing serious like that. Like, you know, I never had a relationship with another woman. I just, other than my little, I don't know, little rendezvous that I had in ninth grade year, with a, with a friend of mine, like we were experimenting, you know, that type of thing. Like I didn't really, I never had any feelings for women. I always dated men. I always wanted to be with a man. So I didn't know what to do with the information that my mind was providing me. And of course, who the heck am I going to tell this story to you guys? Like I can't tell my mom and then my mom is going to think that I like girls. And what am I going to do if she shuns me because I like girls? Like I'm not saying that this would have happened y'all, but this is what I'm thinking because of my Christian upbringing, growing up in the church. I mean, I don't know. I just didn't know like how the heck to process this information, but it was just, and then it, it kind of like spiraled a little bit because it wasn't just that one thought of like, okay, you're in love with her. 
and you want to be with her but then I started having like all these thoughts in my mind as to why I loved her and why I wanted to be with her and I didn't know like I'm telling you guys I didn't know what to do with this information and it was really tugging on my heartstrings and making me really emotional because I didn't know how to handle it I didn't like I just didn't know what to do I just I don't know and I kind of was like ashamed a little bit because one I don't know what this is and two I can't tell anybody because everybody's gonna make fun of me and it's gonna be this big situation and then three it's like okay like I can't tell my friend because she doesn't like women so then she's gonna look at me like I'm weird and she's not gonna want to be my friend anymore because she thinks that I want to be her girlfriend and she's not gonna want to be my friend because she doesn't see me that way and I just couldn't think of like what to do y'all I mean, this situation pops in my head, you know, now I'm thinking I'm in love with my best friend and that I want to be with her. And yet I don't know how to make this a real thing. And I don't know what that means. I mean, like I said, never had an experience with a woman. So now I don't know what to do with this information. So of course, you know, we go to school and everything is kind of normal, but I did notice that I kind of became a little bit more flirty with her. Like we never crossed any lines or any boundaries. We never did anything physical. But I used to flirt with her after I kind of came to this revelation that I was in love with her. I would flirt with her all the time, all the time flirting with her at school, giving her like all these compliments. And I don't know what the heck I thought I was doing, y'all. I just I don't know if I was just trying to make this a reality and try to figure out how I was going to make this a thing. And I didn't even know how to process it in my own mind. But yeah, my 17 year old mind just thought that this was the best way to do handle this situation was to be more flirtatious with her and at this point she still didn't know like my true feelings or the thought that I had or she didn't know like what it meant or she didn't know I didn't tell her yet but you know we did have a situation where she was going to spend the night at my house and so a little bit of me was like kind of freaking out because I was like okay like I think I'm in love with her she's coming to spend the night at my house do I tell her do I not tell her? Do I pretend like nothing's going on? Do I just, you know, just act normal? Like, what do I do? Well, I don't really remember like what happened, but you know, she did come over my house. And all I remember is we got into this big heated argument. And I think the reason why the argument got heated was because I was looking at it from a perspective of me liking her more than a friend and so I don't remember the situation y'all because that was so long ago I just remember getting in a heated argument with her and it escalated to the point where she wanted to go home she didn't want to stay there so then you know she storms out of the house and then I have to go kind of like I don't know or maybe she didn't storm out of the house maybe I left the house I don't know y'all I just remember that after that argument she was still at the house at this point and I went outside and I called one of my other best friends at the time and I told her the story I, so this is the first person who heard me say that I thought that I was in love with her and I was telling her I was like yeah like I, I just have this overwhelming feeling that I'm in love with her that that I'm supposed to be with her and you know I but I don't know like what to do and there was something that she told me that kind of made me realize it just made me realize what this was and this part of the story may not be relatable to anybody but this is just what I think it was 
based off the knowledge that I had and the things that were transpiring in a quick time. And then this question that my friend asked me. So my friend asked me, she was like, okay, Sierra, I'm not judging you. She was just like, if you want to be with her, if you want to be with a woman, if you, you know, if you're not, if you don't consider yourself to be straight anymore, like I accept you, I'm not going to disown you because you feel this way. But I, I do have a question though. She was just like, what do you want to do with this information? Like, what do, what do you, what are your plans with this information? She doesn't like girls, so you can't be with her. So is this more of just like a feeling or is this something that you genuinely want to pursue? Is this like a genuine thing that you want to do? And I kind of just sat there and I was like, I never thought about it that way. Like, I never thought about like what I wanted to do with the information or if I thought this was going to change things between me and her or if I thought I was gay now and liked women or I was bisexual. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do with the information. But I just felt like I had to tell somebody because I felt like it just kept playing in my head and I didn't know what to do with it. And after she told me that, I realized like, wow, like, I don't think I want to date my best friend. Like, like, I genuinely do love her. Like, I love her as a friend. And I don't know what that feeling is to tell me like that I'm in love with her. Like, I don't know what that means. But my other best friend is right. Like, we're not going to end up being together. And at this point, y'all, I also knew that I was going to be moving. Like, I knew I wasn't going to be staying in Florida forever. I knew I was going to be moving and going back to Texas for college. So we weren't even going to have that much time left with each other. And so then I started thinking more logically about the situation. And I was like, okay. Yeah, we're not going to be together. She doesn't like women. I don't actually think that I like women, but this is what I basically thought it was, y'all. I figured that because me and my mom kind of were like on rocky terms a lot throughout that time period living in Florida, that I kind of just started clinging to like the best female relationship that I was having and wanting and craving more of the love and attention that she was giving me. So I don't necessarily think that, you know, I wanted to be with women, which there's nothing wrong with being with women. If, you know, that's what you're choosing to do. I, I Like I said, I don't judge that. I don't have any negative feelings or judgment towards that decision of anybody else. But I started thinking like, I don't think that that's like, I don't think that that's what I'm saying that I want to do. I just think that I started leaning towards her a lot more for comfort because she was the person who was outwardly showing me the love that I needed. Like she was showing me the love and giving me the love that I needed in my love language. And one of my love languages, y'all, is words of affirmation. And I would also say probably quality time, but I think it's words of affirmation a lot more. And she was just constantly giving me like words of affirmation, reassurance, like I said, complimenting me all the time. And I think that I just somehow interpreted that to mean that this means that I'm in love with her because I love what I'm getting from her. I don't want that to sound bad y'all, but I'm just kind of saying this how I'm like, how I processed it in my teenage mind is 
that because she was giving me all of this attention and love as a friend y'all like as a friend nothing physical or anything that I just interpreted that to mean that I was in love with her and yeah it was a weird it was a weird time but I, I basically came to that realization on my own I never told my therapist I don't think I ever told my therapist this story because I felt like I had already narrowed down what I felt like the problem was not the problem but I basically narrowed down what I think the cause of me feeling that way was because ever since then I really have not I haven't been interested in women um, I don't think that I'm interested in women if it comes to that I don't know it could come to that I can't rule that out because that was a feeling that I had when I was in high school and who knows I mean maybe Maybe that could be in my future. I don't know. I'm not going to say never because I don't know. But I think telling this story, I don't know if it's going to help anybody. To be honest with you guys, I don't know if it's going to help anybody. But the reason why I want to tell the story is because I just feel like had I been able to share this story at the time that it was happening with people that I loved and cared about outside of my other friend, of course, because I just had a feeling that she wasn't going to disown me. And I felt like she was going to be a little bit more understanding because I do think that your friends, especially if they're in your age group, tend to be a lot more understanding, forgiving, patient and non-judgmental than like maybe your elder family members because they're from a different generation. Maybe they have like rigid values and beliefs that don't align with yours. And I think that your friends tend to be a little less judgmental. So I didn't really necessarily believe that my other friend was gonna disown me because I told her that. But I definitely feel like had I told some family members that that would have been a conversation that maybe I would have regretted having. And so that's kind of why I wanted to share the story because I don't know I just think that we need to have more conversations like this we need to talk about our feelings we need to talk about the things that are going on in our minds that we don't understand and that we can't put a finger to and therapy is a great place to have those conversations but I mean just to keep it a buck with y'all not everybody can afford therapy not everybody has insurance that covers therapy and a lot of people are just not in the position to go to therapy. So to be able to have open dialogue with friends and family and colleagues even, I mean, I just think it makes all the difference in the world. And I think that when you do share your story, you help other people feel less alone and help other people feel like, okay, that maybe that person's life is not perfect like I thought it was. So, you know, I can kind of relax because I feel like somebody's life is always more perfect in mine and my life sucks and you know people don't know what I'm going through and I just feel like the more that we share with people the more that we can be more relatable and people can feel like they have people to lean on I just that's just kind of how I feel about it um like I said I can't necessarily close off the idea of what could happen with my sexuality as far as I know like I'm interested in men and I only want to be with men but I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be with the opposite sex for that matter because like I said I've had those feelings and thoughts at that moment and outside of what my 17 18 year old mind thought of I thought I came to a pretty logical conclusion like I'm I think I'm in love with the person because they're giving me all the love that I personally want and need. 
And so I think that the reason why I feel that it didn't mean that I wanted to pursue women going forward is because I feel like if it were a guy that was my friend that I'm discussing, I feel like it would have been the same scenario. Do you know what I mean? Like if it was a guy who would have been doing the exact same things that my girl best friend was doing, I feel like the story would have been the exact same. And it just so happens that my best friend that I'm referring to is a girl. So I think that's kind of when I started realizing, okay, maybe that makes more sense now. It was like the the circumstances that I was in and the attention and the love and kindness that I was getting from her made me have those feelings. But that was just my own analysis, y'all. I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor. That was just my own analysis. At that age, I thought that I did a pretty damn good job of coming up with the reason as to why I felt that way. And of course, I know y'all are wondering like, oh, so how are you guys even friends now that you told her that you were in love with her? I figured y'all would have this question and I'm here to answer it. I think I told her when I definitely told her when we were in high school, I want to say I told her like over a Christmas holiday. And I think I was very afraid as to what she was going to think and or say when I told her this. But honestly, I couldn't have asked for a better reaction because she didn't want to not be my friend after me telling her like she still wanted to be my friend. She actually listened to what I told her, like tried to be open minded and what I was explaining to her. And, you know, obviously, like I knew she didn't want to be with me in that way, but she never made me feel feel like she was like rejecting me if that makes sense like she we just kind of talked it out in just like a healthy way and I talked out my feelings and you know she talked out her feelings and I felt like we just kind of came to the understanding that that wasn't gonna be in the cards like me actually being with her and then I kind of realized like I didn't actually really want to be with her I just thought I did if that makes sense y'all I know this is all over the place but I hope it makes sense And the best part about it is, the best part out of this story is that one, she's still my best friend. Two, I can still come to her and talk about things that are not politically correct, meaning I can tell her about anything. Because if I can tell you that I was in love with you and you chose to still be my friend, I can tell you pretty much any fucking thing and you will still be my friend. You will still stick by me through thick and thin. And that's just a person that I never want to lose a person that I literally told her, I was like, if we ever get into a falling out, I don't give a crap. Like I'm going to hunt you down because there's no way that we're just never going to be friends. Like I feel like she is like my better half and, um, we just get each other. And I think it's very rare to find people that just get you and understand you and are there for you. Acknowledge your feelings. She's just amazing y'all. And I want to say very recently, actually, we did have a conversation, like a more in-depth conversation as adults, because obviously when I told her this, we were kids. So we had a conversation like essentially, what, 10 years later? And well, not 10 years, like almost 10 years, like nine years later, we had a conversation recently about it. And, you know, she kind of just told me like her teenage mind didn't know what to do with that that information I was like yeah just like my teenage mind didn't even know what to do as far as telling you like what outcome I wanted and 
how I was truly feeling and how I got to those conclusions. And I did tell her the reason why I felt like that was the case was, you know, because of me and my mom and just the way that she was there for me. And it started making me have like developed feelings that I didn't think were possible. And so, you know, yeah, we had that conversation and even having that conversation nine years later in adulthood, like I'm very, very happy that we can have those open dialogues with each other and be honest and I don't have to hold anything back from her I don't have to hide anything from any of my my close friends I don't have many close friends y'all but I don't have to hide anything from any of my friends I really truly believe that the friends that I have are my friends for life and nobody can tell me otherwise because they're just literally they're my soulmates and if you don't have soulmates for friends then you need to drop the friends that you have and you need to go find you some soulmate but yeah y'all that is the story i know it was all over the place i'm honestly kind of relieved that i got this off my chest because i feel like i just feel like this is just as honest as i could possibly be like this is probably as transparent as i've been on this podcast so far and yeah, I just feel like it, it can only get better from here. I can only be more transparent, more real and raw with y'all and kind of just explain things that happen as they come to me. And I'm just glad that this was one of those things that I shared because I do think that kids, adults, just everybody, just we just need to be able to have these uncomfortable conversations and we need to be more non-judgmental and like very like less quick to cancel people for like their feelings. And yeah, that's, that's what I truly believe, you know? So I hope you guys enjoyed, I guess, another story time. I appreciate you guys for tuning into this part of the episode. All right, guys, you know what time it is. It's time for the segment of product of the week. So I do have another black owned product for y'all this week. And this is actually one of my tried and true right now, my ultimate fave, something that my mom actually introduced me to. Um, so this is actually a, a hair product. It's kind of like in the natural hair product family, if you will. It's by Camille Rose and it's called the Honey Hydrate and it's like a leave-in conditioner. It says it's a part of like the leave-in collection, so I guess there's more products that go along with this item. But yeah, it's just a leave-in conditioner and it literally feels like honey, but like a not as sticky of a consistency as honey, so it won't really make a mess, but it smells really good. It looks exactly like honey and what you wanna do at least what works for me. Um, I personally like it better for my short hair because I know I used it when my hair was a little bit longer, but personally, I just don't like it for longer hair. It just works best for my short hair. It really brings out my curl pattern. And what I basically will do is, you know, after my hair is washed or conditioned, or if I want to kind of refresh my hairstyle, I guess, is I'll wet my hair like you want to make sure you get it drenched y'all know the drill when it comes to natural hair and your products getting worked in so i'll take a little bit more than a dime size amount rub it in in between my fingers and then i'll work it through my hair and with short hair 
Um, a lot of people recommend like using that curl sponge to really bring out your natural curl pattern, but I'm too lazy y'all to get that curl sponge and be trying to fool with it. So literally I just learned a trick off of YouTube where I take the palm of my hand and I just move it around my head in a circular motion and it literally creates like really pretty, like almost as, as if I finger coiled my hair, but I didn't. And I don't know if that makes sense, but it's a really great product. I really, really enjoy it. And it leaves my hair feeling moisturized, not sticky. I mean, I can go a few days after I put that stuff in my hair before I feel like I need to refresh it. I don't think it's too expensive. I know you can get it at Target because, you know, Target is for the culture and they got that full little black section of um, natural hair products. So highly recommend this. Let me know if you guys give it a try. I hope that you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Again, you can follow me now on Instagram at off the dome podcast underscore. That's the account strictly for the podcast. I really want you guys to kind of interact with me in the comment section or just letting me know your favorite part of the podcast episode. I will be posting a photo of the product of the week. You guys can see this information in the highlight section of the Instagram account. Definitely stay tuned, share the podcast with someone else. Of course, give me a review and subscribe to the podcast channel. Oh, actually, by the way, y'all, before we leave, I did want to let you guys know that the podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So a lot more variety for y'all, whichever way you typically listen to podcasts. So I'm happy to announce that we are expanding. So yeah, I'm making it do what it do and hope to be continuing to provide more content, but appreciate you guys listening this week. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend and I'll talk to y'all next week. See ya.